I want to invite you to turn to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I understand myself well enough to know that if I don't get regular exercise, my naturally cheerful disposition can and will be less cheerful. (laughs) Um, I understand myself well enough to know that if I were to carry over the calorie intake level of Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, I would look like a sumo wrestler by the 4th of July. Um, I understand myself and my wife well enough to know that if we failed to to really engage in regular heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, intentional pursuit of emotional, intellectual, physical intimacy, our, our relationship would very quickly turn to empty, unsatisfying coexistence. And I understand myself well enough to know that apart from daily prayerful meditation on the promises of God in the Word of God, my joyful assurance of the Lord's faithful goodness in my life, it, it just will go into this passive, hard-hearted unbelief. I mean, those are just a few of the reasons that we find it essential to reset our habits and recalibrate our practices and remind ourselves where we're going, why we do what we do, what we do. And, and, and so that, my friends, is, is what is behind our taking um, these Sundays in January. Just to highlight, these are not all by any means, but, but highlight certain habits that we engage in corporately that are God-approved means by which we position ourselves to receive of God's soul-sustaining, soul-enlivening grace. And, and the corporate habit to which I want to draw your attention today is what we were just doing, singing, singing. We, are, we want to be a singing church and a singing people. So be, before we look at our text in Ephesians 5, 17 to 20, and address the specific matter of engaging with God in and through music and singing. Uh, uh, Let me just say a brief word about the act of worship in general. Worship, most simply put, is a right response to God as he is seen in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Worship is a right response to God as he has revealed himself in Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit. So worship is when we, we drink of, of the fountain of living water, which is God himself. And when we drink, that is, the way we drink is by seeking and we experience and we experience our deepest comfort and joy and heart satisfaction in Christ alone. We find, when we do that, that that our, our thirst is quenched, our heart hunger is satisfied. And we discover that drinking that water and feeding on that food is the most enjoyable experience imaginable. That's worship. 
And because that's what worship is, and because as humans we are, I think, by nature, it would be fair to say, we are by nature worshipful people, it's clear, is it not, that that is what God made us for. We were made by God to be a worshiping people. And when we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. There is a disorder to what we were designed and made for. Further, we were made to be a singing people. From, from beginning to end, the Bible is full of worship and song. Why do you suppose that is? It's because God intended us to be a worshiping people. When we sing, we're saying the glory of God that I see in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ and the comfort and the joy and the satisfaction that I feel as I behold the glory of Jesus. It's so great. It's so deep. It's so intense. It's so majestic, so profound. Just, just merely talking about it doesn't do it. The depth of our feelings for Jesus demands songs. And so we sing. And that's what we're going to give focus to right now. So draw your attention to God's word in Ephesians 5, 17 to 20. Please stand. If you're able, follow along <clears throat> as I read Paul's words. He writes, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's authoritative word and God's authoritative will. Let's pray. We're just so mindful, Lord, that you've communicated yourself. What a gracious thing that is. That you would see fit to reveal who you are and reveal how we relate to you. And we are dependent now for the working of something outside of us. The working of your great power through the Holy Spirit to fall fresh on us, to make us responsive, to help us to see, to help us to hear, help us to know. We pray that you would call forth a right response. Lord, you're the one. You speak to the wind and the, the waves and viruses and 
microorganisms and, and souls. And you speak into them, command into them life, seeing, sensing. Do that now, we ask, for the glory of your name among a, a people that rejoice in all that you are for them in the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, there may be no clear instruction in the entire New Testament when it comes to the what and the why of singing together as a church than these four verses in Ephesians 5. And, and I'll just say right now, my, my unashamed, unapologetic desire, prayer, purpose, aim is that God might communicate his grace to us and use his word to shape us, Emmaus Road Church, as a distinctively singing church. You know, it's, it's, it, it's just mind-bending to me when I'm in a service, and, you know, and all the, you know, the people are standing there, but they're not doing anything, just listening, and, um, or, or the lights are all off, and you can't, you know, and you know what's going on. And so I, I'm just so thankful. I can see you. I can see you singing. I can hear you singing. And, uh, I mean, I know that for some of you, to be a singing church, that would require a miracle, because I've heard you. And uh, I'm not going to argue the point, but you're right. In, in every group, in every church, there are those who, putting it kindly, are not musical performers. But see, that's the great thing, isn't it? We, we're not talking about performing. We're talking about engaging with God in worship through music and song. So here we go. According to this text, we sing first because... Singing is an expression of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Singing is, it's an expression of being full. Specifically, full of the Spirit of Jesus. In verse 18, Paul writes, But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. So you can see that this text is it's clearly about music and singing. But it's, it's about something even more than music and singing. It is especially about being filled with the Spirit. The addressing one another in psalms and hymns and Spiritual songs of singing and making melody, those are all participles modifying the one imperative. The one command is be filled with the Spirit. Not an option. Not an option for Christians. It is a command, an apostolic command, is a command for all. It's a plural verbal command written to every Christian, everywhere, in all generations. And it is a present tense command. So the action command is here is continuous. More literal rendering would be keep on being continually filled with the Spirit. Keep on being continually filled with the Spirit. In other words, being filled with the Spirit must be repeatedly happening. 
It must be sought intentionally, continually. That's what we need to remember, (laughs) right? It's one of those things we just have to be reminded of again and again and again. When we become Christians, the Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. And the difference, and this is crucial because there's a difference between the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the filling of the Spirit in our lives. And I find it helpful. I've, I've, this, this has just stayed with me to think um, of it analogous to the way um, a gas furnace works in our house. So if you have a gas furnace, probably most of you do, maybe all of you, I don't know. Um, you know that there's a pilot light that should be on at all times. It's supposed to be lit. And that pilot light, that's a picture of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. It must be lit. And then every now and then, especially this time of the year, you'll hear this... And the furnace goes on. And it heats the house. And, and just as that pilot light being continually lit is like the presence of the Spirit, that, that is the, that, that, that's the, the fullness of the Spirit. It's the feeling, the affection, the comfort, the joy that we experience in God through Christ when there is this fresh filling. So what would be fair? What would be a reasonable expectation to be the result of, of, of such an uh, experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit fills people, we, we know these things. Here's kind of the baseline things. He, he manifests himself in spiritual gifts. We know that from 1 Corinthians 12. When, when, when the Holy Spirit fills people, he, part of the experience is this manifestation of Christ-like character traits. He produces character. We start to look more and more like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus, act like Jesus, disposition like Jesus. But the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to magnify and glorify Jesus. That is to, to drench us with comfort in Jesus and joy in Jesus. And so Jesus said in John 16, 14, the Holy Spirit will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So so when the Holy Spirit fills us more, he comes and he, he reveals to us more of the glories of Jesus. Our, our hearts go... With heat and circulation and deeper affection for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And and then there's a right response to that. The right response to that, at at least, is to sing. (laughs) That's why the Apostle Paul says in Verses 17 to 20, that singing is an expression of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's only because of the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit that we see and we sense and we experience these glories of Jesus. And when we do, we sing. So this is what I believe is is really the 
authoritative claim of this text on all of our lives, those of us who are Christians. Seek to be continually and repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit so that we are continually and repeatedly filled with vision and apprehension of the glory of Christ that will in turn ignite a right response in our hearts that gives way to worshipful singing. It's right in line, I believe, with Jesus' words in Luke eleven thirteen, when he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. At Emmaus Road Church, we are committed to engaging with God in worship, in a right response. And authentic worship is expressed in authentic, worshipful singing, which is a result of asking for and receiving more of the Holy Spirit. So when somebody asks, you know, why do, you, why do you people sing so much? Why do, you, why do you go back and sing that verse again? Why don't you just start it and end it? Just get done with that song. You can say, when the Holy Spirit shows us the glory of Jesus and, and, and fills us with peace and comfort and joy and relationship with God because of Jesus... We can't just stand there and watch other people do it. We sing. <laughs> There's another reason, second reason. <clears throat> we sing because singing expresses our heart's affection for the Lord. Paul writes in verses 18 and 19, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So worshipful singing is a physical expression of an inward reality. You know, you never have to tell authentic worshipers to sing it like you mean it. <laughs> because authentic worshipers sing because they mean it. Singing is an outward expression of an inward reality, a heart reality. Now, in 1 Corinthians 6.20, Paul says, Glorify God with your body. Your body. Singing is just one way to glorify God with your body. But Paul says that because our bodies naturally reflect what affects us. You know, some, a, a devoted football fan does not need to be commanded to jump off the couch and fist pump the air at a touchdown pass because our bodies naturally reflect an in, internal Reality that's going on. I don't, I don't need to be cajoled to open up my arms and hug my grandchildren. 
It doesn't require imposed discipline to respond to a romantic kiss from my wife. That's because our bodies reflect what affects us. Now, I'm not saying that our worship is only authentic, you know, like when our emotions are like on fire for God. That's not realistic because we are so fickle, we are so sinful, thoroughly. We are drawn to idols that don't satisfy. There's so many times, many times, when all we bring to God in this, in this gathering is, is the desire to feel some affection for him. Sometimes all we bring is repentance because we don't even feel the desire to desire to feel affection for him. But how does that relate to singing? One theologian writes, Sometimes songs help us to express the emotion that we already feel. On other occasions, they, that is the songs, will begin to trigger emotions because the music helps us begin to feel something of the wonder of the truths we're singing about. In other words, there's times when we come to this worship gathering and our hearts are just dull. You know, just blah. And then we start singing some glorious truth or, or, we, or we hear our brothers and sisters singing glorious truth about what God has accomplished for his people in Jesus. And pretty soon, pretty soon our hearts ignite with feelings, feelings of passion and joy and our singing is transformed and that's because our bodies reflect what affects us and singing is only one type of bodily reflection it's one type of outward expression psalm 47:1 commands us these are all commands now commands us clap your hands all peoples Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 66, 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Psalm 150, verse 4. Praise him with tambourine and uh oh. Dance. Psalm 22, verse 23. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. Why are God's people commanded to clap their hands, bow their heads, lift their hands, and dance, and shout, and stand in awe? Why those? God speaks to us to use our bodies to glorify him, to express what we feel about him and all that he is for us. A pastor friend of mine called me this last week. He lives in a, another part of the country. We keep in touch. He said, I just got to tell you something. He said, uh, Three weeks ago, 
we received this anonymous financial gift to our little church of $730,000. I sat back in my chair, you know, there he is on Zoom as well. <laughs> that, that's awe. You know, I was in awe. That's a physical response to what I just... And, uh, I mean, knowing the size and situation of that church, I, I was stunned. Silence. And then he says, but there's more. Yesterday, that's why he had to call me. Yesterday, we received another financial gift of $2.9 million. In one month, our building fund grew by $3.5 million. And I kind of went like this. And then you know what we did? We both just busted out laughing and crying and laughing. I mean, what could you do? Between laughing and crying, we just praised God for this mind-bending mercy. Our bodies naturally reflect this internal reality. So we raise our hands because raising hands is a physical expression of dependence and gratitude and expectation and reverence and joy that we feel in and toward Christ. We clap, we applaud. And it's not just because, hey, nice job, you know, you guys. No, it's because we are responding to God's greatness. We're expressing appropriate excitement at being his children. We bow down because our hearts are filled with awe and reverence that the holy God who he holds the universe together through his word has set his heart of love on us. <laughs> we shout and uh -oh, dance and laugh and cry for joy because we, uh, we've, it's because of that joy that we feel that we've been snatched by God from this wide road that leads to destruction and placed on a narrow road leading to eternal life. We didn't do that. He did that. That's way bigger than three and a half million dollars in a month. And so at Emmaus Road Church, we unapologetically, unashamedly encourage all forms of physical expression that the Bible commands. Commands. Because God expects our bodies to reflect what affects us. Now, now just ask yourself this. <clears throat> Is there any physical outward expression of engaging with God in worship Scripture has commanded physical expression of what's really going on in your heart that Scripture has commanded that you've never displayed in private or corporate worship. And why not? I, I think it's fitting to probe that matter. <laughs> 
right? I think it's appropriate to poke around in our hearts and ask ourselves, oh, yeah. is that just laziness? Just leaning on the way that I was brought up? Am I just responding to all the warnings I've heard in my life? Oh, you'd never be like that. Or is there a theological reason? Like, you know, maybe you never thought of it before. Huh. Or is it fear of what people will think of you? Or maybe it's because your affection for Christ is um, it's running a little cold. And you need a... <sighs> I mean it. I think we need to ask God to reveal the reasons for that. It, and if it's, if it's some sin of like disobedience, a sin of omission, you know, we're not doing what we're commanded to do, then repent and trust God's word. Do what the Bible commands. And, and I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I, I don't want to cultivate something that's inauthentic. It's not true of what's inside of you. I, I, I don't want to cultivate some attitude now, you know, like we're checking each other out and evaluating each other and judging one another's displays of affection. Oh, that, well, I see that. That's good, you know, that. Um, but I do want to be clear about this. They're all welcome. And they're all anticipated because of who God is. And they're expected to be on display as a sincere expression of our heart for the Lord. Here's a third reason. We sing because singing has a way of, of focusing our mind's attention on the Lord. It's not, singing isn't just an expression of our heart's affection for the Lord. It has a way of kind of reigning in our thoughts and bringing focus to it. And that's, I think, what Paul means in verse 19 when he says, singing and making melody to the Lord. And we're not just singing for singing's sake. We're singing because we're all emotionally jacked up, you know. We're singing to the Lord. When we gather to worship, we're in the presence of the Lord, the Lord God Almighty. Hebrews chapter, two verse, chapter 10 verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. So how do we do that? How, how do we draw near? How can sinners... Draw near to a holy God. It's dangerous business. It's serious business. Holy God who is a consuming fire. Well, we do that according to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 because we have, we have confidence to enter the holy places. Here's how. By the blood of of Jesus. We draw near by the blood of Jesus. Now, this is really important. So listen, <clears throat> I, I think we get this wrong. 
Um, we don't sing as a means of entering into God's presence. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think we think that way sometimes. We're going to sing, and as we sing, now we're going to enter into God's presence. We, we sing instead as an expression of the joy that we are already in God's presence. There are times when we're singing, you know, and we, and, and we might become aware of how sweet it is, there's this comfort, there's a joy, there's pleasure in God's presence. We, you know, we're there, we're communing with the Lord. But here's the thing that we need to be clear about. It was not our singing that got us there. Nor was it the, you know, the, the, the crazy skills of the worship team. Nor was it the special anointing of the worship guy. Nor was it the, the, you know, the pleasantness of the music itself that got us there. I mean, think about this. Just that notion that somebody's, it was somehow our singing or some talent or some, somebody's anointing or some sweet sound got us into the presence of a holy God. That, that, that scorns the gospel of Jesus. It belittles it. It is the blood of our Savior. It is the acceptable sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, bearing the punishment for our sins in our place, and nothing else, and no one else, which makes drawing near to God possible. And singing the songs we sing is just one of the ways by which we focus our attention on that reality. Singing is a response to what God has done in Christ to make a way for sinners like us to enter into his presence. Here's a fourth reason we sing. We sing because singing is a way of addressing one another. Maybe more specifically, singing is a way of building up one another. In verses 18 and 19, Paul writes, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We come to this <clears throat> worship gathering in order to be strengthened in our faith. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writes, when you come together, when you come together, let all things be done for building up. Building up, edification, strengthening faith. So worship is not only our response to God when we gather. Worship is our response to God in all of life. And uh, the gathered worship time strengthens us for the all of life worship time. In other words, when others hear you sing, they're strengthened. If, nobody, if you can't hear anybody singing, it's, it's not strengthening. <laughs> when, when others hear you shout for joy to the Lord or 
see your countenance beaming with pleasure in God's glory, their darkness is lifted. Their faith is built up. Vaughn Roberts quoted him earlier. He writes, um, Our singing should be one form of ministry of God's word to each other. We all need to be built up in our faith. This happens when we sing. We're not simply a collection of individuals praising our God. We're a community addressing one another. And the rehearsal of great truths about God simultaneously, this is the amazing thing, it simultaneously brings praise to Him and encouragement to us. God's glorified, we're built up when we do this together. (laughs) It should be clear, it should be clear, should it not, that it is absolutely impossible to obey the command of Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 by yourself in isolation. Just can't do that. We can only keep this command when we're together, worshiping together, singing together, which leads to a, is a, a very gentle exhortation, right? I, I just encourage you, make every effort to be in this room at the start of the service when that call to worship happens in order to strengthen one another and address one another. End of gentle exhortation. Finally, we sing because singing is how we express gratitude to God for the gospel of our Lord Jesus. In verse 20, Paul writes, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, mean, I hope it's so obvious to you, but the songs that, and, and you know, Caleb's our, he, he plans these services, chooses the songs, gets a little input from us every now and then. But I mean, the, the, the songs that he picks for us to sing are filled to overflowing with the gospel. We are a gospel-forward church, worshiping church. And and I pray that at Emmaus Road Church, we would just love to sing songs of thanks to God for Jesus. God sent his only begotten son to earth as a man. Jesus was the only person to ever have lived a life of perfect obedience springing from an unwavering faith in the promises of God. And because of his flawless, obedient faith, Jesus agreed to his father's plan to redeem a people for himself. The only perfect man to walk the earth suffered unspeakable, the unspeakable horrors of a Roman crucifixion in order to pay the penalty for the sins of his people. And he did it so that we would never have to. And because Christ died in our place, our guilt is wiped away. Our sins are forgotten. Because Christ lived a perfect life, we now have that perfect 
life of obedient faith credited to our account. So now on all the benefits, all the blessings of forgiveness of sins and righteousness, adoption, justification, they're ours in Christ Jesus. Loved ones, that's why we sing songs of gratitude. That's why we sing songs that flow from thanksgiving in our hearts to God. And we preach to each other when we're singing. And my prayer is that if you have never before, that today you would trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and bank all your hope on Christ Jesus and his righteous life to be your life. His sacrificial death would be your death and you would be saved from eternal destruction and you will be saved for eternal life enjoyed his right hand. So let's pray and sing. <laughs> Father, would you give us more of the Holy Spirit. We're trusting that promise that you will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. We're asking. Lord, for all those in this room who have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, counting Jesus as Lord, resolved to walk by faith and obey his commands. That pilot light is, is on. But Lord, we need continually, continually, repeatedly to be filled so that we might behold and see and sense and taste and know Out of that tasting and seeing and knowing, we would respond as in a right way, ways that you've commanded, ways that you've approved. So I have to ask God that you'd make us a singing church. In Jesus' name.